0: Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conrad Olsen, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. My guests today are Mikael Elmgren and Ingar Dragset of the Danish-Norwegian artist duo Elmgren & Dragset. Elmgren & Dragset are two of the most influential artists of the last two decades, having wowed the world with mind-bending installations such as the Prada Marfa a Prada boutique inaugurated in 2005 in the middle of the Texan desert, the statue Powerless Structures depicting a little boy on a rocking horse at Trafalgar Square in London in 2011, as well as the highly talked about installation The Collectors at the Venice Biennale in 2009. I met them in Stockholm a couple of weeks ago when they were here to inaugurate their new sculpture Life Rings, Located at Juregorden and commissioned by the Princess Estelle Foundation. In this conversation, Michael in Ingar talks about the importance of taking in the surrounding when raising a sculpture, using their Scandinavian heritage in a global message, and whether or not NFTs are going to last in the long term. The Scandinavian Mind Podcast is a bi-weekly show about the intersection of lifestyle and technology. I'd like to thank the Helio co-working space for hosting us during this conversation. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and events. Visit ScandinavianMind.com newsletter. Here now, my conversation with Mikael Elmgren and Ingar Dragset. Enjoy. All right, I am here with uh, Michael Emgren and uh, Inga Dragset of Emgren Dragset here in Stockholm, uh, Sweden. Uh, welcome, guys.
1: Thank you. thank you. Thanks for inviting us.
0: Uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's sunny sunny days in Stockholm. And I feel glad to welcome you to to this weather. Uh, let's just start right off off the bat, speaking about this project that you have, uh, uh, you know, put put up here on Djurgården in in Stockholm. Uh, uh, What are people seeing uh, from from today on onwards?
1: Uh, Well, from today on, people are uh, seeing a big sculpture, almost eight meters tall, uh, standing by the water in Royal Djurgården. Um, It's a sculpture made out of 49 lifebuoys these lifeboats are not like the usual lifeboats that are made out of plastic or some kind of light material they are cast in stainless steel and all they form this impossible large structure that almost seems that it might be flying away mm-hmm. uh, when you when you look at it and it's like a, a shape that could be like a sort of very odd new form of Angel opening its wings towards the the water. It looks. It
0: looks very lightweight. It's almost like something just. It's it's, it's thrown there somehow. Caught in the wind somehow. Mm-hmm. But I, I understand it's, it's very heavy, right?
2: It actually weighs ten tons, so uh, it's uh, not going to blow away. Uh, but um, we wanted it to look very light and playful, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, They create altogether a system where you have a feeling that they have a dependency on each other. Each ring is depending on the other rings, uh, either to continue up in the sky or to collapse. You don't know if they're stuck together uh, in solidarity or if some of them are trying to break free.
0: Uh, there's a certain element of, of surprise or awe or, 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 or discovery in in the work that you do. Uh, um, going back, I'm thinking about this the swimming pool you guys erected in in New York, and this is when you see it. It's like, whoa, what is that? Uh, how much do you think about that during the process? That that moment when when someone sees it for the first time. I think
1: displacement has been a, a key element to our work for for many years. Mm. Um, we often use, you know, very common objects in our art, also like with these life boys, you know, they're so ubiquitous in our uh, environment, especially when you're by the water, of course, that you almost don't see them. And we recontextualize these, or we multiply them, or we do something to these objects to make you see the objects differently, um, you see the symbolism in them differently, and you see... Maybe most importantly, you see your environment differently, and maybe your role and your place within it and that's of course also what happens when you when you take something like a, a swimming pool uh, like more like a garden pool that you find in a uh, in a suburb maybe, uh, and you put it smack in the center of New York, where you mostly have uh, you know a big business or the media companies or or, or Tourists that are there to see the sights of New York and then suddenly there's this odd pool standing on its side um, and 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 can't be used uh, because it's of course not with water mm. it would it would pour out of it'm
0: uh, I'm, 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 you know 've seen your your studio in Berlin and how you well, is, is there a moment in the creation of it where you have um kind of aha moment this is this is what it should be and uh, that you want that moment to be, uh, you know, that y- you want that moment to happen in the viewer as well. C- can you think about it tha- that way?
2: We are sort of a two-headed monster, mm. um, and our creation process is based on the ongoing dialogue that we have in between us. So often you start with um, an idea, one of us comes to the other and say, "Should we do that?" And then, it's usually a disappointment because the other one is saying, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then you come back to (laughs) your partner and say, but what about that? And the other one say, hmm. And in the end, we end up with something that is very different from the original idea and, When we have worked on the idea and the concepts for a while, um, the aesthetics uh, start to take form. Mm. And they start to take form also in relation to location, especially when we do outdoor sculptures. Location is a key element. Uh, It needs to blend into the environment in a natural way, not alienating uh, the surroundings completely in a visual way. It's also very important to take in mind the viewer when you do something outside, because it's very different from doing an exhibition in a museum, where people who come to the museum, they have sort of asked for trouble. They have even maybe paid an entrance fee to come into the museum and experience something that is challenging in a a special way for them. But when you do an outdoor sculpture, you have to have in mind that people come with all kinds of different backgrounds, all kinds of things could have happened in their life minutes before they encounter your sculpture and they didn't ask for having an art experience. So you need to be maybe not accessible, but readable in, in, mm. in a different way. You need to be a bit more welcoming,
0: and is, is the surprise element bigger when it's an outdoor sculpture? I'm thinking of, of the, the one you uh, put up in Trafalgar Square with the little boy on, on the, 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 the little play horse, mm. which is, is such a stark contrast to what else is there on the other pedestals, uh, so to speak. Um, that's got to be, you know... I'm thinking that sort of is, sits in contrast to the uh, environment. Whereas if we have you put that up in a gallery, it would it wouldn't have the same effect, right?
2: No, the the Trafalgar Square is based on a celebration of a war victory, which is pretty sick to think of today. Mm. Um, and you have uh, the question sculpture with uh, the very unpopular King George uh, in the other corner of for Square. So, yeah, it's maybe commenting on the square and it's very different from the rest of the character of the square, though it is in a dialogue with the Equestrian sculpture tradition when we had a little boy on his rocking horse waving cheerful to um, the passers-by. And uh, for us the idea of commenting on war monuments I, in that context was essential.
0: Mm. So uh, coming back to Stockholm here, when you got this, um, I'm sorry if I'm using the wrong term, the assignment or the, uh, the uh, um, been asked to do this, this piece of art, what did you see in the location? Uh, what, what did you experience there that you wanted to uh, sort of play off of?
1: Um, well, we, we were asked by the uh, Princess Estelle's Cultural Foundation to come uh, up with an artwork or propose an artwork um, for the site of Djurgården, And through Djurgården you have the canal uh, running with water. There's water on many different sites. Um, and Stockholm is, of course, a city where you're surrounded by water everywhere. Um, so... For us, that was an, an inspiration in itself, and it gave us the chance to develop this sculpture, Life Rings especially, for Dew um, Gordon. Uh, uh, we had worked with um, the theme of Life Boys before. Um, we have done uh, a smaller version with two Life Boys being stuck together that maybe more was about uh, collaboration, about relationships, um, you know, you have these life boys being intertwined and, uh, you know, b- 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 you, you, you try to support each other uh, mm-hmm. in, 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 in a relationship. But, but, but you could also, you know, uh, possibly drown if you were to, <laughs> to use this, this, uh, this structure. Uh, there is a beauty in a relationship or a lifelong collaboration. Uh, it's it's an impossible structure, of course, you know, two people together. It can never be absolutely perfect, but there's a certain beauty in imperfection. Mm. And when we got the invitation from, from, from the Cultural Foundation here, we thought it's a perfect site to do a larger version uh, that's maybe more about society and the challenges we have uh, anywhere where there's many different people living together um, where everyone has to, you know, support each other as best they can. Um, in Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Ge- uh, Germany, countries we know very well, um, there are quite well-functioning um, uh, social welfare systems and so on. They're quite well-functioning uh, states, but of course, there are problems anywhere. Yeah, um, it's like a of impossible dream a utopia sometimes to to create these societies that are absolutely perfect but we have to sort of keep the dream going somehow mm. and that's maybe a little bit what this sculpture represents as well it's it's sort of in uh, uh what could say like a, it's like an ode to this utopia
0: mm. I was going to ask about that because, you know, obviously I think th- this might be the, the most Scandinavian podcast I've ever done. So there's a Dane, a Norwegian, a Swede <laughs> in a conversation. But uh, obviously, uh, you know, you're from, from Norway and Denmark, you've been working in, in Germany for the past 25 years or so. Um, is there, you know, because sometimes when, when people leave, you know, Sweden or Scandinavia, the... the their, their, their sort of roots become more clear or they become sort of faded out there's just sort of th- that's my experience there's two two sort of r- roads to take uh, is there anything in terms of uh, Nordic values or, or Nordic perspective that you feel like you've brought with you throughout your your um, work as artists oh,
2: absolutely I mean um, when you uh, come back after um decades abroad, you can be slightly shocked about the development in the Nordic societies because you had very well-functioning welfare states before. You had a notion of the weakest part of the society should be, of course, taken care of. That's not that obvious anymore. But at the same time, the welfare state models were also slightly problematic, because it's based on a lot of uh, control mechanisms. Actually, it's also based on a lot of limited freedom. And it's also maybe the reason for being so hostile for people coming from outside, that they will be a threat to your welfare uh, system. So you have both like this amazing uh, political system built up in the Nordic countries that has Gone down the drain a bit, and also you never really had the big debate about the backsides of this system.
0: Mm. Uh, How and is that manifested through your conversations or through your art? Would you say it it
1: has been, uh, you know, of course, at some points more than others? Mm. Um, A few years after we moved to Berlin, we a series of exhibitions called the Welfare Show, um, and uh, that started in Bergen Kunsthalle and went on to uh, the bauwerk Foundation in Vienna. It went to the Serpentine in London and another institution in Canada. And um, the exhibition sort of morphed um, a little bit from place to place. I mean, site is of course very important to us, so things always have to be adapted a bit. Right. Um, but there, we really, you know. Looked at um, different aspects of the welfare state and how it had been challenged by, um, you know, globalization, uh, very much digitalization, uh, automatization, and, and and so on, and that resulted in a in a series of sculptures that that's to some extent sort of looked at what we were about to to lose and 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 really depicted situations also that you can. That you started to see that had never existed before. You know that hospitals were like too full that there were people actually, you know, having their hospital beds on the hallway of the hospital and and, and so on. So that was actually one one installation we did where we recreated, yeah, like a hospital room mm. within the uh, galleries uh, of these uh, art institutions. Um, but it's always like for us. Um, you know, not trying to comment on social problems that are, you know, not part of our own lives. Of course, there's, you know, there's so much going on in the world and there's so much one could do interesting art about. But I think what has happened before is that, yes, like people from the North or from Europe or from the US maybe also have (laughs) been talking about other people's problems, (laughs) you know, without really giving the people that have the problems their voice to, Deal with you know mm. uh, uh, their problems and what was actually going on to them. So we're trying not to sort of you know impose our view on 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 the world if it's a world that we really don't know that much about.
0: You mentioned collaboration before, and and, and the way you talk about the sculpture, uh, the the dialogue, in the collaboration, and the. Um, the, the different strengths and weaknesses. I, is, is it a personal project or are all your works personal projects? I'm thinking, of course, about... Uh, it's, it's not hard to, st- to start thinking about your collaboration and your you mentioned your, your conversations. That's where, where the art comes from, so to speak. How, how personal are your, uh, your pieces?
2: I mean, they're based on our personal life experiences and they're uh, based on how we view the world. Um, Of course, the life rings is also mm, a symbol of using a familiar object that is normally almost embarrassing. You don't want to see the life boy um, in the context of uh, a beautiful shore. It has to be there because of safety regulations, but you don't want to highlight it. And... At Dürgorn now you can see all the boys that are uh, uh, around and they almost look like an extension of uh, the sculpture. Mm. They become art objects and suddenly you notice them where they were kind of hi- trying to hide themselves before. Mm. For us it's important to change structures in maybe a simple and playful way. So you look at the world in a different way and you get sort of optimistic because uh, um, with some of our projects, I think we indicate that you can actually change structures. They are not that static. They're not so uh, impossible to interchange or uh, alternate in, in different ways. And if we can do it with our projects, you can also do it in other ways in society. Mm. So I would say mm, we are maybe not so critical. I think we are more trying to uh, ask silly questions and uh, give some hope.
0: There's there's such an enormous uh, craftsmanship and attention to detail in, in, in the work that you do and and you know I, I my background is in sort of architecture and design journalism and I I, 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 I see so many different layers of just beauty traditional beauty or, or just awesome looking things in the work that you do and, and and the the environments that you created for the the Venice Biennale with this uh, sort of uh, idealistic uh, homes in a way uh, I'm sure you've You've gotten the question to design furniture or uh, spaces or environments uh, mm. w- you know has that been uh, tempting to go that route to uh,
2: We do it in exhibition context sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. uh, because we have m- been making these uh, states environments where we made whole uh, domestic settings and if we can't find uh, the piece of furniture that would fit perfectly mm. Uh, we design it ourselves but we only do it if we have to do it because we are relatively lazy so if it's already (laughs) existing out there then we just use a ready-made and if we have to do it we go to the drawing board and get it done.
0: Mm. Mm. So but uh, has there ever been a a situation where I mean you've, you've been tempted to actually do something like that?
1: Uh, for you mean for for like for commercial use? For commercial use. use. For, I
0: mean, if, what if I We've been thinking. We have you, we right? have
1: we have been asked by yeah. by, by different companies, particularly in in, um, in in Germany and Scandinavia. But somehow I don't know. It's like something about context for us that mm. you know there's there's something to react against or you you play with and and that's sort of lacking a bit in that that scene. Mm. Um, but, you know, like, if, if things happen, like uh, there's things that develop developed in the context of an exhibition and somebody has an interest in that, making some sort of addition, or we're open to that. Mm. Actually, we're just making a lamp for our next exhibition in, in, in New York, uh, um, and, and that might lead, actually, to some like slightly larger addition uh, in collaboration with a, with a company.
2: We also made a collaboration with Georg Jensen a couple of years ago (laughs) where Mm. we did uh, kind of a sculptural structure where you could hide your cell phone and uh, it would be muted. Mm. It's fun because every time you have uh, a new tech gadget in the world, you need to have the kind of counterpart, something where you can also get rid of it. It's like... When you got the car, you n- needed to invent a garage to hide the car. And and this was uh, <laughs> kind of the same situation for the cell phone because they are like um, occupying a lot of our times, also in a family context. So you could have this mm, a little bit egg-shaped, uh, beautiful uh, silver object that you could open and put the family's cell phone down into it. And then you could speak with each other instead of speaking to the phone.
1: Unfortunately, it took half a year to produce each one of them. I don't think it became a huge commercial success. uh, The price tag was too high. Maybe IKEA should should,
0: uh, (laughs) take take the next step there. Uh, uh, There's certainly no lacking of of research that says we should (laughs) put down our devices and spend more time with each other.
2: It would be very Mm -hmm. odd to do something with IKEA because uh, the problem with IKEA is you always miss a screw. (laughs) And that's part of our uh, working strategy (laughs) as well.
0: (laughs) I like that. Um, Speaking about technology, I have to ask because it's something we cover a lot in in our platform. We've been sort of um, really trying to to, uh, um, look closely at what's unfolding in terms of digital art, NFTs. Uh, I'm I'm sure you've gotten the question before and and perhaps have thought about it. Is this an arena where you think you could uh, do some work in the future Um, what do you think about it
2: we won't say no but uh, because we work with a lot of different media Mm -hmm. uh, we don't do video so uh, we have tried but we're not very good at it so we stopped that Um, we have done performances and we have done sculptures we're very 3d Mm. and here and now and physical interaction which is kind of the opposite of nfts I think the idea of an NFT is great, uh, except from it not being environmentally uh, friendly um in in such a way. Mm -hmm. And then I think it needs to grow uh, and mature because the examples of NFTs that have come up right now Mm -hmm. are maybe not artistically the most interesting or conceptually the most challenging uh, projects. But it was... Partly the same with the beginning of video art. Mm. It was a lot of uh, experiments with the medium in the beginning, and mm. then it got uh, uh, interesting content over time, mm. and, and new artists started to use the medium in a more relaxed way. So, of course, it will have a future now it's here. Um, I don't think they will be sold for 69 million dollars in the (laughs) future, but um, um, I think they will uh, definitely be part of the artistic landscape.
0: I'm thinking even though you're very 3D, as you say, but you're also very interactive. Uh, This is my experience of you guys. You you are interacting with the viewer or the people who are seeing your art. They can step into it, they can experience Mm -hmm. it. Uh, you know, at one point you did this uh, uh, um, uh, fake or imagined sort of art fair where you, you people could go in and really interact with it. And to me, that's kind of like a a gaming situation in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm it would be interesting maybe down the line to see how you can use these technologies because they are, you know one thing that they are even though they're you know non-physical they are interactive or, or mm-hmm. they can uh, encourage interaction in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, may I, I'm, I'm putting that on my wish list for you, for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we're going to wrap up soon, but I'm, I'm curious a little bit about uh, your your backgrounds. There There is a sense of sort of challenging the status quo in, in, in your work and challenging the, the current situation, current uh, setting, the current location. Um, you guys, obviously coming from sort of the the queer scene, uh, going to Berlin, uh, setting up shop in, in you know what was then at least not a mainstream area. Uh, oh, how, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a two-part question. One, do you think that that still remains from, from your background that that sense of sort of um, being uh, being in the outskirts of culture? And uh, the, the second part of the question is, uh, has that become mainstream in a way, that your perspective is now, you know, in, in, the, in the upper echelons of the, of the art world and in the, in the fine room, so to speak? Um,
1: well, one has to be careful, of course, with the way one perceives change, because change in itself is not like a positive thing. Mm. And, you know, it is like a bit of a buzzword, of course, like we need to change or do it or, you know, all these slogans you find everywhere in relationships. To, to, to advertisement and, and promotion of, of brands and and so on. But that's not actual change. It doesn't change much the way you know we're thinking and perceiving things. And mm-hmm. when we talk about change it's actually more talking about how you know really deal with it, how you how how you, you, you constantly sharpen your mind maybe and and, and study your environment and, and, and really think about you're all in, in the world um, and uh, of course wh- what we would say is that like, you know thinking in terms of change when things are good is very important you know don't only think about change when when things are going badly and I think that comes maybe from you know growing up as queer kids in the suburbs of Copenhagen or Trondheim in my case and you know, we were sort of like told from every angle that this is the perfect place to go grow up. And, and you know, there's like this um, um, nuclear family life and you have your school and you have the safety and, and all that. And it is, you know, all good, but we just didn't feel maybe particularly comfortable anyway. We felt like something's wrong. Our world on the view was not represented and you didn't really have, you know, let's call it idols for lack of a better word uh, right now, but to to sort of look after role models would maybe be a better word. Um. It comes
2: down to what you say, Mm. not feeling too comfortable, Mm. even you maybe become an established Mm. artist. Uh, It's also about not believing in universal values because uh, you know from your high school days that you had to perceive Romeo and Juliet in a slightly different way than some of your classmates. Uh, You had to translate it into uh, a different language. Um, But I also think that with change, you also need to accept that you uh, can be part of changing things, but from a more mature point of view as you become middle-aged men. And I'm quite upset about how middle-aged men and women take youth culture as a hostage in in recent times. It's almost like the kids are not allowed to change the world in their way, that we will do it for them. Uh, And I think we should also be satisfied with having a different position as we age.
0: It's, it's wonderful. I, I have to ask before we wrap up uh, the, some of the things you have uh, going for you guys. Uh, you are moving to uh, the Fondazione Prada. Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, what can we expect from, from that exhibition?
2: It's going to be a, a quite big exhibition because we use both the uh, center podium venue and two floors. We use the North Gallery and we use the whole Cisterna. Uh, and we use outdoor areas in uh, the Fondatione. So it's going to be um, a huge presentation that will combine uh, existing works in a new context and uh, completely new productions. The exhibition uh, is titled Useless Bodies and is about the status of our perception of the body today. What, what have, has the body become? Now we are spending so much time online, we don't really have any use of the body in front of the screen. Also, the value creation in our society is not based on physical, manual labor today. So what has the body become?
0: Wow, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Mikael Öngren, Inga Dragset uh, of MVN and Dragset, um, super proud to have you, uh, you know, permanently represented here in Stockholm now with the new sculpture. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for, for speaking to me today. And good luck. Thank
2: you so much. Thanks for inviting.
0: You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olson. This show was edited by Eric Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement.